Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow us on social media at Day Beautiful on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's guest lives in New York City, where she is a film and TV development executive at the production company Sunday Night. She is a graduate from the University of Pennsylvania, where she studied history and English. Her debut novel, Kismet, is out now. Please welcome Becky Chalson. Hey, Becky. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. I'm such a fan. Uh, yes, I thank you. Podcast. I am a fan of yours. I'm so excited to talk to you. Your debut novel, Kismet, will be out by the time this podcast is out. Yeah. How are you doing leading up to Pub Day? I'm good. I'm so excited. It's been, it feels like it's been like an upswing. These Sometimes these books can take so long. I started writing it almost three years ago. And so it's been um, a long time coming. And now it's here and it's sort of surreal and wonderful. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely get into the timeline and and how you wrote things. because That's what I love the most. Um, I don't know if people do, but I do. Um, I do too. But tell me what Kismet is about from your perspective. How how do you pitch it as opposed to the media, your publicists and everything? How is Kismet? What I love is Kismet? that. Kismet is, it's a story about uh, two twin sisters attending one of the sisters' weddings in a town called Kismet in Fire Island, which is just like an amazing beach town. Um, that I've grown up going to with my husband's family. And uh, it's sort of what happens when uh, our our narrator, Amy, realizes that, uh, you know, everything she thought she had kind of planned for her life is, is not quite happening. And she's trying to make sense of that while set against the backdrop of this crazy, wonderful kind of <laughs> wedding celebrations, just yeah. to kind of, um, yeah, juxtapose like inner turmoil and then like a beach fun, vacation yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, I um, had a lot of fun with this. It just like I didn't read it during summer, but it feels like a perfect summer novel. Um, it just feels cozy and the characters are so well-rounded and the it's like not hijinksy in the way of like a 1960s sitcom, but I could see it, you know, yeah, and I love Brady I, Bunch was my favorite show growing up. So I love hijinks. <laughs> I love you know? it. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun to sort of balance that like the inner kind of like heartache and there's lots of mm -hmm. secrets and there's drama but at the same time like I scheduled it over the week of a wedding sort of lead up and so at the same time that Amy is kind of coming face to face with this man from her past she also has to play like a beach volleyball game and do like maid of honor tasks like a cake tasting and so it was fun to use the wedding tropes yeah. and like schedule to kind of force these characters to see each other interact when they probably want to just like stay alone like yeah. kind of dealing with what's going on but sometimes yeah life doesn't work that way so it was fun to be like nope you have to go walk to the lighthouse and go on a ferry and toast yes. and drink all the things you don't want to do exactly um, yeah when your heart's breaking and and you mentioned you start writing this three years ago and I'm only bringing this next question up because it's in your bio you you are married it says you're married did you get married around the time you started thinking about this <laughs> Sort of. I got married in fall 2019. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. And it was so and so we always knew we wanted to be married. And I also I thought that was sort of an interesting character to explore in the book too. Amy is also married to her high school sweetheart. And, and there's something fun about that 
you make a very like adult decision at a young age. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of just sort of seeing all the other options pop up and actively choosing not to be with other partners because you've kind of decided who you want to be with Mm -hmm. so young. And I always thought that was an interesting thing that had happened to me and Zach, my husband. Um, But we, I started writing the book about six months later, sort of right in the beginning of COVID Um, and all of it. Credit to Zach always, like my husband, he had been enrolled in this, um, it's like an executive MBA program at mm-hmm. Columbia. And so it's just Saturdays. And we always knew he was starting May 2020. And so we, I'm a psychotic planner, hence like the it. schedule in the book. And I'm like a film exec in my day job, like very much type A hat. And so we knew he would start this May 2020 based on when his GMAT would expire, which he took his senior year of college mm-hmm. we were together. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, if you start that May 2020, we have to be married fall 2019, which means you have to propose summer 2018, like no romance, only logic. Yeah. What I didn't see coming was that that meant, of course, the pandemic, he would be home May 2020 in like Zoom school all Saturdays. And so from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for that whole first summer, he was on his laptop in our small kitchen and there was like no place I could be that wasn't in his background. And so that's when I was like, maybe I'll write a book. And I had never really thought I'd write a book. And I never, I was always a reader. I work in book film development, but I never really considered myself a writer. And then I was like, let's see like what this could be. Like just as kind of like a hobby. And then it was a sort of perfect discipline of most, I always say it's like, that's the hardest part about writing the book is just coming back to it. And because he was in school and we were in COVID, there was nothing else to do. We built this sort of Saturday schedule together where we'd wake up really early and he'd go to class. I would, I always said like, go to the, go to Kismet like on my yeah. word doc, take the ferry. And it was wonderful. And then that kind of built the habit that I still come back to, which is, you know, the weekends writing. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay. I want to get into your background, of not being like a writer, um, yeah. not being a writer. That's in quotes for people who don't see this podcast. Um, <laughs> you, you went to Penn and you yes. got a degree and then now you're in film TV production. Like what is, what was that path? Like? Yeah. So I like thought I would be either a history teacher or a lawyer. And so I took the LSATs my senior mm-hmm. year and did badly <laughs> them like did not do well and I'm such a like nerdy kind of kid like I love tests and it was the first moment where I was like Becky like do you want to go do you want to be a lawyer or do you just want to go to law school because Penn is like fairly pre-professional and all Mm -hmm. of my friends were doing these graduate programs and in that moment I was like I want to work in film and so didn't do on the LSATs and instead moved to LA got a job Mm -hmm. in the mailroom at WME the talent agency and I sort of was like, I've always loved books and reading. And I, ever since I saw like the start of the traveling pants movie, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, books to movie. Like, this is a magic, like superpower. And then I was like, I'm going to do that. And so I worked in the department at WME that's just focused on the film TV rights for books cool. and um, yeah, selling books into film. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm a quadruplet, all, all four girls, all my sisters, hence the twin characters in the book. Mm-hmm. And they all stayed in New York and my husband and I were doing then boyfriend, we were doing long distance. He was in New York too. And so after about two years in LA, I was like, I'm going to move back home. I transferred to the New York WME office and worked in the publishing department for a year there. And that's where I met my, well, I met my now agent when we were interns at WME Mm. and we were both assistants in LA. But then in New York, we both worked for Jennifer Rudolph Walsh, who like ran the, the New York book department. And so for a year, 
Sabrina, my agent and I were co-assistants. We were in constant communication for like, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, like supporting Jennifer, who was a powerhouse agent. Mm -hmm. Um, But after a year, I heard that uh, my boss, John Krasinski, was moving his company to New York and looking for uh, a new assistant. And so I switched jobs. I worked and I've been at Sunday night now for about five years in um, always sort of focused on like our development and looking for books to make into movies and television. And so I've sort of created this career that's always lived in that kind of crossover Mm -hmm. between books, film, TV um, and then, oh, and always reading. And then in COVID it was like, oh, yeah, like I felt like, so it sort of prepared me, like never really was considered myself a writer, but I've yeah. always considered myself a reader, even in college, a history or pre-law yeah. student, like you're just reading constantly. And so that's sort of been my one, my biggest passion, um, yeah, turned into a job, which is just the dream. For sure. I love hearing that. I feel like that sounds I mean, way different than me, but very similar. Like, Day Beautiful, I'm not a writer. I Like, most people who interview authors are other authors, right? That's, like, just in literary world stuff, right? Yes. And I just like to, I got a degree in English yeah. education. I taught briefly, then I didn't, and then I worked at bookstores, and then I didn't, mm-hmm. and then I worked for the government. You know, like, I just, yeah. I love the path of, like, it, it, the reason I really wanted to ask you more about it was because a lot of people think MFA is the only way. And totally. it, it's a great way, but so is just falling into a book. Like, you know, yes. that's what happens. You learn so much about writing by reading and, mm-hmm. and picking and choosing things that you, that work best for you or that you love as a reader. And yeah, it's just that constant um, like crash course that each mm-hmm. book gives you and, and finding the things that you love. It's funny. I, when I started writing, I started writing a thriller at mm. first in like May, 2020, because I was like kind of film exec brain too, like thriller cell and pretty mm-hmm, like looking mm-hmm. for gone girls. And it was just not working for me. Like I was not having fun and I was, it was the world was so uncertain. And then I would spend my Saturdays like in this dark cult E story. And then by June, 2020, I, we were taking the ferry to fire Island for the first time since the COVID. And I started writing like what still is like the very first chapter of kids mm-hmm. like in my head. And I, as soon as we got to their house, I was like, leave me alone. I have to go write this. Like something's happening to me. And then it just poured out and it it was using things I picked up as a reader and as a film exec of that idea of like characters having secrets and and using the film exec to kind of background of giving myself a schedule. And I think that helped too. Like I never was sort of like opening a doc and being like, what is this like internal thing happening? Like from the beginning, I was outlining I gave mm-hmm. myself a schedule of events that's in the book that has like a little timeline. And that was sort of just tricks I think I picked up to kind of make it easier for myself because I didn't have that MFA and I hadn't ever taken yeah. a fiction writing class. And so it was sort of just what what do I think might help me actually execute? Um, and then like, how do you make it a fun story from there? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it, is, it was like, you did you have like a call sheet for every day? Like you knew what you had to get done. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We always end with like to do's for the next day. I always have my, yeah, a hundred to do lists and outlines. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh. No, I love that. Um, so you sit down before Kismet. I I, I just want to like think of like, I know like the thriller didn't work out, but you sit down in May 2020, your husband's doing his classes. Did you have a, like, what did you, what, what was day one like when you're like, I'm going to do one. this? Ooh, yeah. Such a good question. I was like, I think I, I think I thought about themes that I wanted to touch on which is so funny to think about what actually made it into the book and I love that idea of like millennial anxiety and mm-hmm. like I, what I come across 
all the time. And I think a lot of us do is, and I'm on this path. And there's all these quotes about as you get older, the possibility is just trunky. And when you're in college, it feels like there's so many different paths you can take. And then just by definition of walking down those roads, the outcomes sort of, yeah, they get smaller in size. And so I wanted to talk about that feeling that I know I have, which is a constant doubt of, am I doing the right thing? And yeah. there's, and we, they came out later, but I love station 11. It's like mm-hmm. a morbid quote of, I don't want to live the wrong life, then die. And yeah. I, and not that kismet at all has that tone, but I think there's the lessons of it are in concert with it, which is just that everybody is always doubting because there's just yeah. genuinely no way to know other than your own gut and just trusting. And, and I think for Amy and kismet, what she learns and what I, kind of rely on too, is just trusting in these relationships that you surround yourself. And so that's sort of what my word doc was like, sort of word vomit of like Mm -hmm. all of these things I wanted to talk about that I had been dealing with. And, you know, we had been married, but it was the pandemic and, and trying to just figure out like, what does that feel like? Do do I love what I'm doing? Um, And I think there's always that, that worry. And so I I was like, let me just see if I can write a book about somebody who has made these decisions and is executing what she thought like everything my it's like five year we were about to do our five-year reunion at Penn so it was mm-hmm. of course canceled because of the pandemic yeah there was and one way it was like so my life was so different like I didn't go to law school I'm living in New York and but at the same time I was doing so many things that I was proud of at yeah. Mar- got married you know all of these things on paper that feel so like check marks um but at the same time there's always that wonder wonder and that worry and so, yeah, I just sort of wanted to dive into a story that could explore that. Yeah, it's funny. I, um, I've i been talking a lot, I think just because I've been talking to a lot of writers who are talking about millennial anxiety recently. And I think it's because like we're all, you like, not we all, but this generation is writing books now, right? Totally. We're like in our late 20s, early 30s. Exactly. I'm 34. You're probably a few 30. years younger than me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's like this anxiety that we have I've discovered, I think, and maybe there's articles out there, but like our parents were like the last generation who like had it quote unquote good. Like you can do mm-hmm. things. And then like now like the Gen X's babies are like, hey, whatever, we'll do whatever. Like, but like we had that like that mentality where it's like, go to school, get married, yeah, have a kid, buy a house, blah, blah, blah. And it's like yeah. then the Great Recession happened and we have no clue what we were doing. Like I graduated yeah. high college in 2011 and it was like, there was nothing there was no jobs there was mm-hmm. no houses or I mean I yeah. guess some smart people did it but like no one was thinking that you know no yeah. it's so much harder and, and it's sort of yeah nebulous and and yeah. I have just turned 30 and that idea we talk about it all the time and that that's between 30 and 40 it really feels like my life can take so many different mm-hmm. different ways all of ours can and yeah. it's less of the like graduate get a job like I feel like I sort of checked those boxes and now it's like what does this look like do I move to the suburbs Mm -hmm. do I have a kid like I don't know (laughs) and I think and I think that in in Kismet Amy definitely so the twins are on the cusp of turning 30 the book takes place over their 30th birthday weekend Mm -hmm. and it was funny writing it I was 26 and a half by then and I just turned 30 and so I was sort of doing a little bit of like imagining of what would happen and and it's only proven true as I did turn 30 just this idea of like all right well I did a lot of the things I said I was going to do but it's sort of like a refresh of your to-do list and and I don't know when that is and and it's funny this age and people start to move out of the city at different times or have kids at different times and what I have a very unique 
upbringing in that my sisters and I are quadruplets. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of our biggest life moments happen in lockstep. Like we all graduated the same year and um, two of my sisters are getting married this year. They got engaged within two weeks of each other, which we love. People are like, is that crazy? And it's like, no, it's the most fun thing. Mm -hmm. Like we sort of thrive in the chaos. And when I'm the only one who enjoys the one thing happening at a time, like I am a diva and I love the attention of being the only one engaged. But it's sort of interesting at this moment when we're like, well, do we all have kids at the same time? Like we want kids to be close or do we all leave the city at the same time? Or what if I want to stay in Brooklyn and they want to move? And again, this is like not problems to have, but just interesting ways of kind of guessing like what the life, what the next decade looks like. I have no clue. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it's like we read about these types of stories like oh totally. quadruplets all having kids at the same time and like none of us like I like when we reflect on ourselves of like the drama like we all like I mean I don't know if you watch reality tv but I'm a reality yeah. tv enjoyer and it's like I don't want my life to be that crazy but without drama life isn't worth living yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> I think there's yeah I saw, I saw a quote once that was like you're mo- at you're most excited when you're sort of like like working through something yeah, and you, everybody yeah. sort of needs that yeah that kind of bounce of drama mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then, uh yeah anyway and then kismet you mentioned like balancing like the inner turmoil like the the really tough things they have to go through with like the, the fun of it like i mean it's yeah, a fun novel regardless of how crazy <laughs> everyone is like what what was easier for you to write like what parts of the book um what like emotions of the book were easier that's so such a great question. I think it was easier to write the, the more like heart aching, like sadder mm-hmm. sort of emotional moments. And then it was the harder part. And my editor, Cassidy at Dutton, was so helpful in sort of making sure that whenever it got too dark, then we could remember that we were at the beach and fun mm-hmm. things were happening. And so these characters, um, the cousins are Bobby and Mary in the book and it's their name, everything in Kismet, because I didn't know that. I wasn't sure that this book would ever become a book. It was really such a fun exercise. And so all the characters are like nods to people in my life. And so Bobby is my future brother-in-law. Mary is our like best friend from growing up. Mm-hmm. And they are just the sources of joy in the whole book. And so whenever Amy is sort of like at her lowest, you like look out the window and there are Bobby and Mary like in the pool or getting ready for the Kismet 4th of July parade. Mm-hmm. And so it was really, it was less natural but really fun still to kind of weave back in the like brighter moments um and using those kind of characters that i had built in as these kind of like not quite comic relief but still sort of points of joy yeah definitely and uh because you work in film and tv production um most like you know books always get comp to other writers and like i've seen like emma straub is like if if you like emma straub you like becky which i agree with but like i'm curious like what movies or tv shows are comps to your book do you feel such a good question and it's so funny because so my friend is my like book to film agent on it Mm -hmm. because she and i were in the mailroom together at wme and Mm -hmm. she still is a book to film agent and when she was beginning to make like her sub list she asked the same question of like what are the film comps like mm-hmm. is it like mama mia is it like the summer i turned pretty it's like it's sort of and for some reason my brain like can't think of it as a film sure, like because, yeah. and like my and my own company like we're not making the movie of it mm-hmm. because i it's and i think that's why it worked like why i was able to write it because it i turned mm. it into this different part of my brain that wasn't work um which again sounds so silly i know so lucky oh, yeah. that my work is like just stories and content still but 
for some reason, I like can't think about Kismet as a film or a TV show, but it, it's something like in those fun, like I think that's sort of the, the heart of Summer I Turned Pretty, although it's not YA. Um, yeah, she laughed at, at Mamma Mia, sort of this like family dra- drama, of, like no music. I don't mm-hmm. know. My bad answer is that I don't know the answer. That's fair. <laughs> we'll find it. Yeah, we'll find out. I, yeah. I was going to say, and this is way off, a mix between Gilmore Girls and Oof. Girls. Yeah. Like, like the drama my job. of your That's millennial <laughs> and, and the cozy. Like I, if, if anyone listens to the podcast, I say the only thing I care about in books is coziness, which can mean many things. But like being, I want to feel like I'm like in a blanket, like oh, hanging out yeah. with these people, you know? Oh, but, um, I love that. And that's like what I wanted to capture because I love yeah. books that do the same thing. Like Rebecca Searle is like my fa- one of my favorite authors too. And it's like her books are hugs. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you write, write through the pandemic. Um, you find everybody. Um, what was like that you, you already touched on this and like the toughest editing part once you get the agent, once you get the editor, uh, is, like you kind of touched on it, but is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, it was just so, it was so surreal getting notes in and, and sort of having the opportunity to to work on it again. And the copy editor was amazing and hilarious and also challenging. Like having somebody sort of fact check your brain was mm-hmm. wonderful. And yeah, the whole thing, the hardest part was really just balancing it with my day job yeah. and my personal life, which is sort of just the biggest testament, testament to writers everywhere is that ability to kind of turn in and really prioritize this future dream, especially in the drafting when you're not sure if it will sell and you're just like, all right, well, I'm going to miss this. And I'm so lucky that I have family and friends who are so supportive of that and understanding when I am beginning to like miss more social events, because when I wrote the book, there was really nothing going on because mm-hmm. it was COVID and I was yeah. working, but then I was writing. And then as things like, I just feel like I'm at being tossed more balls to juggle in the best way. It's, it's so lucky, but I think, yeah, it's actually all of it has been much harder, like even balancing publicity and like press tie in articles and working on my second book. And then still the day job, two sisters mm-hmm. married my two of my sisters, we're doing a joint bridal shower for them. And the shower is three days before the book comes out. No, no. <laughs> like everything happens at once. And we love that. But it's just, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. But so funny. Sometimes I shake my head at 2020 Becky for like just making just signing up for like a whole other career (laughs) so grateful for but it's fun I really hope your sisters have like a kismet cake at their bridal shower (laughs) just like so (laughs) like I was like can you put on your registry like a link yeah Yeah. (laughs) I think they should I mean you're supporting them getting married they should support you having a book it's like basically having a child (laughs) it's so funny they're so sweet they're coming to all the events we're going on tour and they're all coming so yeah, we, we support always we're, we're that family and we'll come to your stuff, Adam. And now my mom's going to listen to all your podcast uh, episodes. Like once you're in, like we show up to everything, we'll watch all the movies <laughs> and it's the most fun because my brother is a screen, we have one older brother, he's mm-hmm. a screenwriter. And so it's, it's really fun too. Like we have a really fun network of people doing creative things and we're just, we're always, we're always there. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, I love that so much. I will wrap up by asking, like, what are you, what are you reading for pleasure, for fun? Uh, what, but not for film to book, or book to film rights. Keep that off the table. What are you I reading love for it. fun? What am I reading for fun? Is it's such a great question. My book of the month just came, and it has Adelaide by Genevieve mm-hmm. Wheeler, who mm-hmm. 
I love, I haven't read the book yet, but it comes out the same day as Kismet. And mm-hmm. also on 418 coming out is If We're Being Honest by Kat Shook, who's also a debut. Mm-hmm. And I, what I've loved the most about being an author, I'm using air quotes for no mm-hmm. reason, <laughs> imposter syndrome always, is the community is so welcoming and wonderful. And so yeah. Genevieve, Kat and I have all been in touch because we all have the same pub date and we're all like getting drinks next week to kind of celebrate. And so it's just such a lovely thing. And all I read, if we're being honest, and it's amazing, which is another Mm -hmm. great like family drama. Check it out. It wasn't on my radar at all. You'll love it. it So good. And then Adelaide is just getting Mm the most incredible reviews. I can't wait to have my heart ripped open reading it. Um, And then I also just love romantic comedy by Curtis. It's so great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's in my, my book of the month box too that I have to open after this. Um, yeah, but it is, that's, I'm sure you have the hardest question. Like we're reading, we're reading constantly for work ahead of things. And so my mom is always texting me about books that she's reading. And I'm like, mom, you know more than I do. I'm not up to speed. Thank you so much to Becky Chaslin. Thank you so much to Becky Chalzen for joining the Day Beautiful podcast to talk about her debut novel, Kismet, which is out now, and you should definitely get it, especially from Bookstar Magic. I think she's doing signed copies from that independent bookstore in Brooklyn. You can find her on the internet at beckychalzen.com, and on social media, Twitter and Instagram is just her first and last name. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net, and on all social media at daybeautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is a beautiful, and you're all beautiful. <laughs>